video game <sighs> music. Okay, yeah, we're on. Hey! Hello, everyone. What's up, everybody? Happy Welcome. 2020. Yes, 2020, we are here. Oh, boy. It's been a while mm -hmm. since we uh, uh, last had our show. Maybe a month ago now. I'm not even sure. We had the Probably holidays. Close to that. We had the holidays. We had uh, New Year's. Uh, we had Thanksgiving. Uh, on January 2nd, at least, we had Thanksgiving. Oh, if you were a Washington Redskins fan, you had Thanksgiving. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, we're here. Me, uh, Andrew, Charles, and uh, this is our, our season three premiere. And everybody has done their 2019 years in review, 2010s decade in review and so we're gonna go through all of that this uh this episode at least through the first half and then we'll uh we, we've uh we've launched the new goof's nest so andrew is here uh taking it in for the first time as well it's the first time we've done this show in the same physical space in a while mm -hmm. as well it's uh we're all of a block away from the old goose nest <laughs> Not even, I don't even think it's a block. Not even. It's it's a building away, really. It's it's it's. Uh, but we're moving on up. We got a better view, that's for sure. That is very true. And yeah, uh, so guys, uh, 2019, 2020. You guys, any? I was New Year's. I, I spent mine with my family, uh, ringing in the new decade, <coughs> quote unquote new decade, because there's no new year zero. But we'll get whatever. It doesn't matter. People are party poopers sometimes like that. Yeah. Anything interesting? Um, I had a steak on New Year's. I was kind of coming back from a, a cold that I got on the day of Christmas. So I wasn't really Mr. Festive because I am of that mentality that whatever happened in 2019 goes to 2020. But a, a, a ribeye rare gentleman from Longhorn, that, that's a good way to end a year and start a year. <laughs> Very good. All right. Okay, so let's see. Um, man, uh, there's so much to actually reminisce about 2019. Uh, it's it's hard to to start. I mean, we could go through it session like section by section of our segments and stuff, like uh, football, hockey, basketball, whatever. Or we could just go in general. So uh, I know we're kind of kind of sort of doing this on the fly, but. Uh, I can we can do it using our segments here. So our our Gottlieb's goons. Let's start with something uh, pretty salacious, pretty fun as sometimes as well. Uh, Gottlieb goon of 2019 for you guys. Mm. It was in the whole year, even though the segment itself didn't last the whole year. Uh, who, what was what was the organization person or whatever in sports that was like, man, you guys really screwed up. I mean, it has to be the namesake, at least for the first year. It's <laughs> ungodly. We, we thought you were so great at being a pedantic, sardonic, know-it-all who strokes himself in front of the mirror that we gave you a segment that kills into the, you know, the hockey time or everything. And here's the thing. I don't even really remember the stupidity that's just said, but I remember that I liked it so much to... Uh, <laughs> 
to put a title, I, I, it's coming back. It'll probably come back to me. But from what we've talked about, from my own, you know, my own research, and from what we talked about past when we created the segment, is that this guy is on like Skip Bayless on ecstasy when it comes to silly, salacious, ridiculous things. And you know, I mean, if you if you want to start really just problems in this world, just have Doug Gottlieb be a ambassador for any situation for a sport. For politics, for lifestyle, if one of you guys could remind me what he even said, because you know I'm shooting from the hip, quite literally. Um, but I, I just, I was like, all right, because we had talked about it. You're shooting oh, from the hip. I mean, from from what I can say. Uh, well, I do remember hit uh, his his uh, goon headedness is is so prolific that Roy Williams, uh, when he criticized Roy Williams, uh, the, the North Carolina Tar Heels basketball coach who has won national championships and and has clout and uh, Doug Gottlieb who was like what a mediocre college basketball player at Notre Dame uh, there was one game right. he couldn't put on his shorts right and that's what Roy Williams poked his 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 criticisms at like this guy can't even put on his shorts right during a game how am I like how is he supposed to criticize me <laughs> so that's what I remember uh, him about gosh what was this stupid well he did i mean serious it must have been something stupid i think it was i don't know it might have been something with like paternity leave i have no idea <laughs> it wasn't it was it andrew luck it was andrew luck I oh, think. Yes. oh yes yeah. andrew that's luck. right you know it, it, so to, to touch on that you know for the year interview for the people who forgot about it andrew luck retired he basically says ain't no fun no more my brain is damaged I don't want to proceed. The guy suffered a lot of injuries, neck injuries, shoulder injuries, a lacerated kidney. And you say, you know, you say that sounding mockingly, but he had a legitimate gripe to get out of the league. Completely. You know, I, I, you know, full disclaimer, I don't think I should, anybody should really tell a, a, a you know, a full-grown adult man when to keep going into work if that kind of job, you know, has him getting pounded for the entertainment of people who are just putting their fingers in their pants, enjoying kicking back, not seeing the physicality, the mental, the emotional, the psychological strain, the possible concerns of any kind of future repercussions on your body, not just CTE, which is a forbidden word in all the sports and no one wants to acknowledge, but just your overall everyday happiness. Andrew Luck, it sucked. You know, not to be cute with names, and Doug Gottlieb just kind of basically said, what was the millennial statement, I think? Yeah, um, that's know. what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so go. us, so us in that age group, one, I don't think I like being typecast into it because I understand that it's easiest to classify in groups and what have you. But you're just kind of you know scattershotting an opinion just to see what sticks the old pasta trick. But at the end of the day, you sir could barely put on your pants for a game. Let alone probably can't put on your pants on the everyday prospect. Whereas gentleman Andrew Luck, who is a classy human being, I still kind of hate the Colts fans for booing him off the field, even as ill-appropriate, uh, you know, his retirement might have been. You know, at the end of the day, you know, this is a human being who really hasn't done anything wrong. So it's not of me to bash somebody for saying this is hurtful. You know, I used to play basketball when we went to school down in Miami, and you know what happened, guys? I kind of hurt my ankle, and I got a high sprain, and guess what happened? I kind of stopped for a little bit because it wasn't fun. I was always at risk of hurting myself. I'm 5'7 I'm on a good day, go on for a rebound, and some guy's elbow comes on my head, and I felt very kind of woozy for the remainder of that day. I kind of stopped playing basketball for a bit. If someone, you know, kind of attacked me on it, not understanding that, I just didn't like that 
that pain, I would probably, you know, go uber Hispanic and throw my chancla at them, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but it sounds uh, Chancletas, uh, sandals. Oh, okay. Yeah, sandals, flip-flops. Um, okay. Speaking of Spanish, someone is greeting us in Spanish. Oh, saludos a la distancia, Tomasito. Oh, actually, no, it's a family member. <laughs> I, I figured. Uh, on Facebook. On Facebook. Okay. Oh, bueno. Gracias por, por escuchar. Uh, okay, so, oh, that that brings me, since we're on this uh, Gottlieb's Goons of 2019, could you say the Indianapolis Colts Goons of the decade? Would they be, I, I guess, top five for, for driving a franchise quarterback, a guy who probably would have had a Hall of Fame career, into retiring early? I would say so. It's definitely Browns. possible. The Cleveland Browns, yeah. I mean, that, well... I don't know if what they did was goonish. I think they were just, I mean, they're just awful. They, they, kept, awful. they kept Hugh, um, Hugh Jackson, guys, for that three was, years uh, after going 1-15. You know, is, what's his face? Is it confidence uh, goonish? Hires everybody. <laughs> you know, it, well, you know, it, it's a confident, you know, idiocy. That's that's part of the Gottlieb thing. So, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, I think just in the decade from 2010 to 2019, I, 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 or 2020, full all decade, the Browns had like five head coaches: Pat Schumer, Ch- uh, Rob Chazinski, Chuzin- whatever his name is. Yeah. They pop in. Um, they just fired John Dorsey. They Kitchens, and they, you know, Freddie Kitchens went as well. Yeah, I mean th- that was his decision. That guy was his his choice, but he he put up a pretty good roster. He just picked the wrong coach. I mean, if I mean if that, if there was one thing you had to, I mean, you could get, you could get Jason Garrett. If he wants to, but well, speaking of Jason Garrett, I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, but hmm. um, I, I don't know. Like I don't, I wouldn't put the Browns as goonish because they're just awful. They're just an awful franchise. Like I mean, I, I I would say like the Colts where it was, it was, it was completely preventable. Like they had a shoe in franchise quarterback and ruined him. Whereas the Browns, they're, they're, they just, they're just awful. They just it's just suck. perpetual awfulness since they were reintroduced to the league. Whereas the Colts was like, okay, you, a Hall of Fame quarterback with Peyton Manning, and then a new one drops into your lap, and you could have just done the same thing you did with Peyton Manning, but you did it. You, 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 you ruined it, and everybody was telling you you were ruining it, and you still ruined it. And when it looked like things were getting, like, okay, maybe you guys got through it when he became comeback player of the year, all that stuff. But you ruined it so badly that even after a good season, he had to reconsider his life and be like, you know what, football's not worth it. I'm done. So I, I would I would put the Colts up there as, as maybe one of the goon organizations of the decade. Uh, I can't think of the decade. But um, or at least next last year, Astros. Oh, that's a good one. The Houston Astros. Oh. That is a good one. That is a really good one. Eh, they might even be joined by the Boston Red Sox at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. Wait, wait a wait a cast complete overshadow. What what to overshadow that feel good story? 2017, SI, like three years prior to that, predicts you're going to win the World Series. You do it in the year that they predicted. And, you know, your your team is 
great. They had to fulfill the prophecy. Yeah. And now, like, all of that is thrown out the wayside. Everybody thinks you cheated, or, or even if not cheated, uh, circum or did did something very nefarious, Bill Belichick esque, New England Patriots esque, at that point. Um, and well, it looks like the Boston Red Sox are getting dinged for this as well, because they. Uh, and remember, they had the Apple uh, Watch. Uh, fiasco that happened as well so this is not like a new thing for the Red Sox and of course they're in Boston with the Patriots so that could be a thing I bet Brad Marchand has something up his nose <laughs> that he's using to cheat on the ice uh, <laughs> you know uh, I could see that Kimball Walker might have a thing I have no idea they might be doing some cheating out, out there with the Celtics as well I, I don't know uh, it's not helping Boston College at football that's for sure um, <laughs> I gotta throw shots in as well but yeah the Houston Astros dear lord that's a good one that is a very good one oh, and, the, and I, I told you guys this the baseball gods will exact their revenge and punish us for our sins by having the Yankees win the World Series this year. yeah which is unfortunate because I really do not want that to happen I actually have another um, another godly goon well it's not a goon it's goons plural um the whole management of the Alliance of American Football. <laughs> the the whole yeah they really messed it the up. The whole management. I know that I know that everyone blames Dundon, which I do blame Dundon for pulling the plug unnecessarily. But the AAF wouldn't have needed his money if they had actually organized correctly. They hadn't just rushed things and taken some swindlers' money, which means that you had no money and you weren't being able to pay pay checks like two or three weeks in. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Because it, it, it was an intriguing product. It wasn't like... It was a very intriguing. It was, it was legitimately good. It was legitimately good. Like on paper... It sounded like an okay idea. Like you know, other minor league football uh, startups have had. We you know we've had it in the past, or or developmental football, whatever you want to call it. Um, of course, this was a league of forgotten players, uh, but I like their their idea of uh, some of them were in like uh, of getting, especially drafting guys that were uh, part of college football teams uh, around the areas that they were drafted at. That type of stuff. That was a good idea, but yeah, it seems like the execution, they tried so hard to push this idea of a, of like a, a developmental league, like a G League or a farm system for the NFL that it really, it, it's really hard to do so because uh, NFL, I mean, some teams like the Miami Dolphins were just running on practice squad players week after week just shipping in you guys when uh, after they, they fulfilled like a, a, a one a one week contract or whatever like that's how the NFL runs and I'm sure some of those guys have uh, uh, benefited with some game tape and that type of stuff but well seemed... yeah there were quite a few guys that were in the AAF that got picked up yeah like um, crap I forget his name but he's the current kicker for Atlanta the Falcons yeah um, played for the legends in the AAF. I think it's like Young Way Koo or something. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, he came. Who, I mean, he was gained some notoriety for in the AAF, but he also gained a lot of notoriety by kicking three straight onside kicks. I, I will say this: um, he. <laughs> It did give us the meme of Johnny Manziel yes. eating nachos out of a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's probably <laughs> that that's that was uh, that was really great. That was a that, that was, was a beautiful. fantastic moment. It did give us that moment when we were watching the games on YouTube of the people commenting <laughs> on Johnny Manziel and his like his habitual drug use and and <laughs> it was just great. So there was some good moments out of that as well. I mean, honestly, maybe they should have, maybe they should have made fun of themselves in a way. I don't know, just played on the meme. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> uh, but uh, they didn't have enough money to play on the memes for themselves. I guess. Right. So, uh, it's, uh, Dundon shut them down, and uh, the bunch of jerks uh, out in Carolina somehow, uh, I don't know, it fueled them for some. I don't know, some. It, it all kind of. Mixes in some, I don't know, maybe maybe that's why he sacrificed the AAF so that Kellen Hurricanes could be revived at Raleigh. I have no idea. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one for last year as far as an organization is concerned. Um, oh, I have another one. Sorry, I'm, I'm hogging. Nice. The NCAA. For, I mean, in general, I mean, <laughs> for a lot of things. Just, just existing. <laughs> well... Mainly, I gotta say it's for the the NLI name likeness image. Mm, okay. Um, a lot has. It's crazy to think how much things have changed. Um, just it's crazy how much has changed in just ten years. The Ed O'Bannon lawsuit that got this whole thing kickstarted was instituted was started in two thousand nine. So, the whole landscape of college athletics has underwent a seismic. Uh, seismic doesn't even do it justice. Uh, I'll just say seismic change in just the past decade. I mean, whether it's Kemba Walker uh, coming out after the national championship game, basically saying that we're hungry. We don't. We don't get food. Which led to the NCAA lifting the restrictions on on food amounts for athletes. Um, like this has been the NC the NCAA is over a hundred years old, I think, at this point. Um, it started around when Teddy Roosevelt was trying to uh, change the rules of football. change the rules of football, so people didn't die. <laughs> Um, There's a great drunk history segment about it. Too. Yeah, uh, I love that show. So, the I I don't think it's much hyperbole to say that arguably one of the greatest periods of change and transition in the 100 plus year history of the NCAA has been in the past 10 years. Um. So going back to the Gottlieb Goob th- uh, Goon thing. They're total goons, whether it's for not allowing players to be fed like that, uh, you know, the million and one times where a kid is given a violation because he was uh, sleeping at his coach's house because he was homeless. 
that don't even get me started on the whole like I said the name likeness image thing um, even to football transfers where kids are moving back home to be with family members that are sick have like cancer or are are very very sick and the NCAA is denying their transfers so they're not allowed to play for that year they have to wait a year it's like pardon my language but fuck you NCAA yeah, yeah. Like, they are a massive Gottlieb goon and, and they make billions they make billions of dollars and not a takes take scholarships away I'm not even going to get into this because I could take an hour on it but they're making billions of dollars. They consider themselves a non-profit? Like, holy hell. Uh, if anyone's interested, John Oliver in Last Week Tonight did a segment on the, on the NCAA. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up John Oliver NCAA. It's like 14 or 15 minutes long, and it's very eye-opening. Um... Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. So, yeah, another decade got Goon. All of mine have been from the past year. You got some hard-hitting ones, that's for sure. Yeah, but my decade got Goon probably has to be the NCAA. Okay. Uh, okay I have another one here. Uh, uh, 2K Games. Oh. 2K Games. Yeah. Um, like, for the WWE 2K20 controversy, now, I don't even play the game. And uh, even the Switch version of last year's game was horrible. But uh, that, that was just, as a Nintendo fan, that, that kind of, uh, it's kind of unfair that we get shoddy ports of, 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 of games that should be slam dunks to, to port and, and make. But uh, there's, a, there's a guy on YouTube called Matt McMuscles, and he, um, he has a series called Wahapaw. Which is he? He, uh, he looks back at game development and basically some high-profile video games that were touted, they were hyped up, people were excited for them, and then they fell flat on their face. Exactly, and the reasons why. Of course, you know a lot of video games aren't duds just because because uh, you know, everything went hunky dory and they just didn't, you know, uh, take. No, these are they're they're duds because of everything that happened prior to that. So he he went back at uh, a WWE 2K20 since it was such a huge controversy. Remind me what happened? The game is it's like unplayable, right? In some instances, yes. Some in some instances the game will soft lock on you. Basically, you're playing and for whatever reason, you can't keep playing. So you have to, you know, reset the game. Huh. Other instances the graphics are all over the place. Uh, just things, physics are awful. It's all awful. And it's amazing how um, how 2K Games or Take-Two Interactive, which is the, the big publisher. Uh, and this is really sports video games in general. How lack of competition has ruined it. Has ruined sports video games. If anything, I would say organizations of the decades, uh, EA Games, uh, Take Two Interactive for ruining sports video games. The Tiger. Yeah. Simulation sports video games. Basically. I was actually about to say that uh, the, the only one that seems to seems to have a good thing going is Sony with their MLB the Show series. But outside of that, Madden, um, 
Madden, FIFA, NHL, uh, NBA 2K, WWE 2K. Uh, all of those games are exclusive uh, licenses and there's no competition. So lack of competition makes bad games. Even WWE uh, former developers, uh, was it Juke or whatever? That they were the former developers of the game? Ukes. Yeah. Ukes. They were developing, they were, they've been developing video games since ever. Mm -hmm. uh, wrestling video games since like the since the PlayStation N64 days back when there was like a bunch of wrestling video games and they were like well we used to have competition so that made us strive to be better but once we were the only game in town what was the point of us being better it was nothing to drive us forward they just got sick of making the same thing every year with little to no differences or I mean Charles would know better he he, he buys the games but uh, I mean, yes. But, and also, I would add on to the loot box controversy, Francisco. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Um, but just, uh, yeah, the loot box controversy, NBA 2Ks, um, NBA 2Ks, uh, uh, my player, whatever mode where you, you pretend to be a player and you're developing and you make it, you reach the NBA. It's just a cash grab, mm -hmm. little by little, microtransactions. So that's ruined NBA games. Uh, and we, we can even see it here. I mean, you're playing uh, NCAA right now, but uh, I have uh, NBA Street V3. And that game is chock full of stuff. And all of it's unlockable just by playing the game. Yeah. You have to buy a thing, and it used to be that way. But now... All of that fun has been sapped out. I mean, FIFA has, and Madden has the trading cards and all that stuff. Uh, NHL has the same thing as well. Uh, so you, you can't even play with certain players. The uh, games have essentially turned into mobile games where... Basically. Like, like, there's a game that I play, or played, um, where, you know, it's fun at first, and it's easygoing, it's... Um, you know, you can you can go pretty quickly through the levels. Um, it's it's whole, it's it all psychological because you you hook them in by making it easy to play at first, and you give them a little bit of a a little bit more to go on. It's like oh, it's getting a little bit tougher. Here, we're gonna give you a we're gonna give you a free upgrade, and. And then it gets progressively harder and harder and harder, and eventually, it it becomes to the point where you can't play anymore, more or less. So, people have known that for years about mobile games. You know, to stay away from Clash of Titans or whatever, um, Clash of Kings, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, yeah, whatever. But now whatever. it's it's seeping its way into freaking FIFA or whatever. Yeah, sports, video games, all that stuff. So I would say, yeah, those guys would be goons of the decade because they've ruined sports video games. Uh, like, if you want an actual good sports video game nowadays, you probably have to buy, like, a fantasy one. Like, like a Mario version of the games because those are still pretty fun to play. So, right. like, this. Although, I will say, I know I'm jumping back a decade. That's fine. But I'd say the the initial Gottlieb goon is EA because they were the ones that kicked off the whole exclusivity rights thing with Madden. Yeah. Um, they no, that's not true. 
it was like simultaneous. They got the exclusive rights to Madden with Madden in two thousand six, I think. Yeah, I think that was the first year of exclusivity. Yeah, it was after a Sega release, NFL two K five, which a lot of people still think is the best football game ever made. Um, and then right around then they got the exclusivity rights to or. Um, no, no, like right around then, kind of as a return salvo, uh, forget who signed it. I think Sony signed a, an exclusivity with, uh, the MVP baseball got pushed out. Well, actually Sony, no, no, no. Sony, uh, um, oh, no, no, no. it was, it was take two, it was 2k games. They signed an exclusivity with major league baseball. To release third party uh, as an exclusive third party creator, but the console makers could still make their own games. So Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo to make their own baseball game. Right. But only Sony was like, "This is worth it." Right. And they developed one of the best sports games. And then they eventually pushed the people out of the market that and got now, Sony in the first place. Xbox and Nintendo owners will soon get MLB the show. Exactly. So thank you, Sony. <laughs> So, so they, they won't. They were. They are not a goon for the for the decade. That's right. Sure. So I think EA gets a lion's share of the blame because yeah. they were they fired the first shot, and then Two K responded in kind, and then now we're here. Okay. Uh, any other goons of last year or the decade? Nothing. Nothing comes to mind, guys. We can move on. I think we hit the uh, the big parts. Yeah, we we got some good ones in there, and I'm sure uh, well, we might think of new ones along the way. Okay, um, Sue. So, uh, how about let's go to our real MVPs, uh, the real MVPs for uh, sports personalities or whatever for for last year or even the past decade. Uh, just that that really stood out to you guys. No, may may have gone above and beyond uh, how you how you could feel about somebody in a sports uh, setting. I, I have no idea. I mean, like the Monday Night Football cat. I mean that 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 cat inspired the world. Uh, you can be anything in this world. <laughs> That's a good MVP there. Um, I, I have to say, I'd like to start with Andrew Luck. I mean, this guy, and I'm sure he's set for life. He's made his millions. I'm sure he's invested wisely. Uh, has has some stuff tucked away as well. He's not gonna, and he'll find something in his life. Maybe not in football, but uh, that'll that'll keep uh, keep him gainfully employed and and happy with his life. But he won't have to work another day in his life if he chooses to. If he chooses not to, yeah, exactly. But he. In a situation where I think most players wouldn't have walked away, he walked away. Um, I remember I think Derrick Rose had this type of issue as well, and he, you know, he kept going with it. But luckily, he's kind of revived his his perception in the NBA. But uh, Andrew Luck just decided, you know what, I'm not happy with this, and I'm gonna go to something else and enjoy my life and just not be with football, you know. That's that's a type of thing that that's really hard for anybody to do in any setting. 
just to say, you know what, I don't like this chapter of my life. I want to end it here and start a new thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, actually, part of that inspired me to do what I'm doing right now. Because um, it, it's really hard to, to walk away from something that you've known for a while and you're used to. And a lot of people would look at it from the outside thinking, why are you leaving such a good situation? You know, you're doing good. Well, you know, but just because from the outside things look good doesn't mean from the inside things are as good as people think it is. So, and that's really a thing in life, really. You can put on facades and there's stuff in the background that you just don't know about. So Andrew Luck put himself out there in a situation I, I, which couldn't have been easy for him. And walked away so I commend him for that I think he's uh, overall like a real MVP for for 2019 maybe even a decade because uh, he had a great career and uh, he had horrible injuries and he came back from it but walked away at the end so that's one for me I'd say I'd say that one for me it's not a person it's not a singular person but it would have to be all of the researchers into concussions and CTE. Mm, that's a good one. Again, a lot has changed in that in that field over the past decade. Um, I, I forget the the guy who was who ended up being portrayed by Will Smith in that movie Concussion. But like, look at all the people who have who have who have uh, committed suicide because of presumably CET. CET, you've got Junior Seau. Um, this was, I think this was before, uh, I think this was before the decade, but Chris Benoit, highly likely that he had CTE. Um, these researchers... You know, CTE wasn't even a thing, basically, back in 2010. People, you know, targeting wasn't a thing in football. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on, but I, the research into head injuries and CTE, that was a huge change over the past decade. So a lot of props to them. Uh, that's true. I mean, you can, even the controversies in football today... In the NFL, the, the quarterback, um, the roughing the quarterback rule now, all that is in response to this type of stuff. Exactly. Trying to protect and trying to make the game safer, all that type of jazz. Uh, it's ruffled everybody's feathers in either direction. The people that want it to be so safe, other people that love the hardcore action, and the people in the middle who are like, well... Uh, this is both good and bad, and sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. I mean, they're kind of like New Orleans Saints fans. <laughs> you know, hey, put in this rule, because we got screwed. And then the next year, ah, crap, this rule screwed us. Ch change it. That, that's basically, but here in this instance, it's not about a pass and a fan replay type of stuff. It's about life or death. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, that's a really good one, man. That's a really good one. Um, and look, I mean, even going into like 
hockey or football. Don't get me wrong. Like if you, the first hockey video game that I ever played was NHL '98 um, on the PC, and you know, pull up the the trailer on YouTube. Um, you know, that was a lot of fun. That game. Um, spent many, many, many hours playing that. That was a lot of fun, and really kind of how I really became a hockey fan. Um, you know, the, the type of play back then, you know, I freaking loved it. It was like, bam, you know, the Scott Stevens, Paul Correa hit in the 2003 Stanley Cup final, uh, you know, these hip checks. It's like, yeah, you love the mayhem, you love the madness. Or these, like, huge hit stick tackles in football. Like, you just love the carnage. It's, it, it makes your blood boil with enthusiasm. But you also have to temper... Oh, look, there's Chris Pronger right there. Exactly. That's like the first thing. Um, <laughs> Who himself is a, is a victim of concussions that exactly. ended his career. So it's... Don't get me wrong. I, I love the, the carnage as much as the next guy, but... Ultimately, you kind of have to set that aside, and I never, I never, for a second, thought about any of this prior to this decade. Maybe it's because I was young. I mean, I was in high school when the decade started. Um, but you kind of have to temper that and realize that these are still humans um, that will have lives. You know, hopefully, 30, 40 years after. They retire, maybe more even. Um, these guys can get seriously injured, so I'm glad that there's more safety, even if it is at the expense of some of that action um, that you enjoy. Okay, uh, Charles, any MVPs for you, or at least last year of the decade? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a bit of both. How about that? Last year and last decade, and. You know, one is going to be part of the fandom, and the other one is going to be part of more of the inspiration. You know, I, I don't like to really get cheesy or sentimental, especially if you're talking about MVP and decades, because I think professional athletes or whoever that do good things and try to use their platforms to make good things happen, to change communities, the world, they all deserve the accommodations. Those are real MVPs. Mind you, I'm already telling you who the 2020 MVP is going to be, so I'm telling you right now, it's the Tennessee Titans for getting rid of Tom Brady. That's a little bit spoiler alert from a year from now. You're welcome. There you go. Uh, we'll go last year in a decade for me. Uh, last year, as cheesy as it is, I'll give the real MVP to, uh, to Roman Reigns. You know, you guys yeah. know that he had leukemia in 2018, and he came back to go back and become a full-time performer in 2019. He had just won the Universal title off of Brock Lesnar uh, at SummerSlam 2018, diagnosed with leukemia. Apparently he had it happened before, um, so it was quiet. You know, he vacated the title. You know, wrestling in and of itself, not just for me, for those who do view it, it is their, I don't know, it, it's their entertainment, it's their catharsis, it's what have I always said, you know, a great soap opera, a ballet, a dance mixed in with some uh, some good heartfelt because at the end of the day you always want to see to come up as the villain. So comes I think January or February. I think it was February around March time. He comes back, tells everybody he's in room remission, and then you know he gets back to it doing full time. He had leukemia, 
So he, he's doing fine now. I think on the horizon 2020, he's going to get that universal belt. That's a little preview for you guys for later shows and later segments of the cage. And then for the decade, I'm going to give it to one guy just because I kind of hated the way how his career ended, but it kind of keeps in line with the Roman Reigns. Because it's tough to say, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but I always respected Eric Berry, you know, the former Kansas City Chief mm. Safety who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, went through the ringer on there, and then came back to get AAP Comeback Player of the Year, play a little bit, and then injuries kind of derailed him. But those two, whether it be, you know, Roman, whose real name is Joe, because that was his whole thing for a bit, and then Eric Berry, they use their platforms to kind of tell people, hey, it's important to be out there. Why? Because you did have a few current players or coaches who did die from leukemia. Flip Saunders, the former coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, also the Detroit Pistons and whatnot. It's all kind of the same thing. So good for them for taking a very real, very serious situation that, you know, because I remember when Flip went, they said it was treatable and he'd be fine, and then he died. So you're like, okay. So these are young men or adult men and adult women, too, um, who uh, kind of took care of themselves and, you know, put that out there. Because it's also a very public thing to imagine, you know, either doing it at a presser and also doing it at a, um, you know, on a live television audience and people don't know what's going to happen. And then there's Vince McMahon says, all right, we're going to turn Dean Ambrose on Seth Rollins right now. We're doing it. And I'm not going to lie, for that heat, I would have done it, too. Um, but, yeah, those are my two guys. There, there's a list on the side of the any kind of health-related issues. I think you look at any kind of, you know, the women's U.S. gymnastics, the women's um, soccer team, too. You know, it's reflected with, say, y'all all kind of the MVPs, but I only got one title to give, so it's all right. I mean, there's so many you can choose from. Uh, as far as players, I mean, Brian Boyle also had cancer. He came back. Yeah. Um, and then all the people that we've lost, uh, Craig Sager, yeah. um, Stuart Scott, List goes on and on. Yeah, it's so you realize that this stuff happened ten years. Like, I know. Within, 10, within like, the that past happened ten years. this last decade. I'm like, wow. Um, and I know, kind of getting away from the the more serious stuff, but just on a more personal level, um, you know, huge MVP to the University of Central Florida. Uh, I have never been as big a sports fan as I've been since. August of 2010, when I became a UCF Knight. Um, I was always big into sports. Um, not really so much football. I followed hockey and I followed baseball. That was about it. Um, but UCF has kind of jumped, rejuvenated my love for sports. Not just in college, which was non-existent, but just overall and you know being at UCF has made my sports life and really my life in general that much richer in the past 10 years oh that's a I see went on a sentimental route that's a good one like I said like I can be I can be sentimental if I so desire that's a good one um, I guess I would have to this is, I guess a personal one uh, I guess Litterbox Cats SB Nation because uh, I wouldn't have done some of the actual hockey reporting that I've done. Really, I mean, uh, I didn't know anything, a lick about hockey beginning of the decade. Uh, my brother-in-law was a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, took me to a game, Penguins versus the Panthers, and or no, the, the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And 
I fell in love with the sport right there and then I saw it firsthand in person and boom so I mean I I casually saw some stuff I saw the, the 2004 final the, the 99 final I remember seeing that but uh, outside of that I wasn't really into it until that moment and then from there it kind of snowballed into this this schmuck of a person going in like knowing zilch about the sport and getting into locations and pe meeting people and players and coaches that fans who've been fans for for all their lives would never have had that opportunity mm -hmm. um, from a professional-ish standpoint you know um, yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, so I thank uh, Donnie who, who ran the website and even Todd now who runs it now on SB Nation who picked it up along the way when they started buying up all these blogs um, and made themselves the juggernaut they are now, but some issues in California, uh, which unfortunately... Um, Ruined some things for the California blogs, but that's a whole other thing. I could talk about it some other time. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say Litterbox Cats for the opportunity. I mean, I just wrote an article uh, to finish the decade uh, for the Panthers. I've got another one on my mind as well, so I'll get my juices back to flowing now that I'm not killing myself at work. <laughs> Um, for a job that I hated. So, um, well, you're still open to write for Reddit CFB if you so desire. Yeah, but that you're more college football. I mean, if the Seminoles aren't doing good, I completely zone out for a lot of things, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's it, it opened up opportunities for me. I've met some people, some great people from, in high places too. That holy crap, wow. So that's it for me. That's those are my MVPs, sports wise at least. How about you, Charlie? Francisco? Uh, we, we you and I forgot one guy, Francisco, and it kind of takes into Scotty 2011. Jones. No, 2011 to 20, 2019, because he helped bring a couple of championships to uh, to Miami, and it uh, so happened. Okay. I mean, it feels right. We got to put a little flavor. We got to put a little flavor. We got to do it for the Flash. Yeah. You know, because he left us with the greatest gift, Jimmy Butler. It's all connected. Uh, honestly, that's a good Seriously. one. Yeah, that's a I'm very good that. one for down here, at least, because think about this. Think about the, the, tra the trajectory of Dwayne Wade's arc throughout his career. Um, he's drafted in 2003. The Heat are, are in the basement. They are a basement-dwelling team. Ooh. Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, that era of, of basketball is gone my man entering a new one nobody knows what's going to happen uh Dwayne Wade plays so well that the heat uh, Pat Raleigh trades for Shaquille O'Neal and boom uh, I love the timing just as you said boom the <laughs> the guy gets tackled uh D Dwayne Wade uh yeah, trades for he, he, trade uh, trade for Shaq. The Heat win their 2006 championship. Then, because of Dwayne Wade, he can attract uh, and, and really in Pat Riley as well, um, attract LeBron James and Chris Bosh, two of the top five best players on the planet, to come join him. And they win two championships, four finals in a row. Um, and then Dwayne Wade sticks around for for a little time after that, 
then it, it, it takes a dramatic it, a dramatic turn it's kind of like a movie you mm -hmm. know uh, that part of the movie where the, the two the two sides uh, that are on the same side they get in a little fight oh well I hate you well I hate you too and then they, they separate for a bit mm -hmm. you know and then they realize you know what we're always better together. We shouldn't be like this. We shouldn't be fighting. The same thing happened for Dwayne Wade. He goes off to Chicago. He goes back home to Chicago. That's where he's from. Realize that the Bulls fans aren't, you know, Chicago isn't all that great. It's cold. You know, the Blackhawks uh, stopped winning. <laughs> uh, the, the Cubs fans were, were, were the only things that, the only people that were happy at that point. Uh, you know, and, and the Miami Heat also like, oh man, they, they got swindled. They got, they fell in love with Hassan Whiteside and this group of, of, of journeymen. They thought, oh man, we could definitely win with these guys. Hassan Whiteside's a lazy bum who picks Yoshi as a main in Super Smash Brothers. You know? Like, they, they realize, oh man, we need, oh, if only we could reunite with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade goes off to see his buddy LeBron out in Cleveland, and LeBron's like, I'm sorry, man. I, I can't have you here anymore. And Dwayne was like, yeah, man. I wish I could go home. You know what? I'm going to make that happen for you. Calls up the Miami Heat. Miami Heat, Pat Riley's like, I, I miss him. He's like, we miss him too. Well, we're, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get you guys back together. They get back together. Dwayne Wade has one fantastic moment in the playoffs, getting a victory for the Heat against the Sixers, the, 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 the frauds in the Fraud. 76ers. Exactly. The, fan, the following season, his final season of his career, it's a love fest. All the teams honoring him. And then the final, I mean, he had one of the greatest farewell moments of, of any player, really. It, it's up there. It's up there with like Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, all those guys that just, so many players don't get to end their career with the team that defined them. Right. Like, we're talking about Tom Brady right now possibly going off to someplace else and not finishing his career with the Patriots. But Dwayne Wade got a chance to come back. And what's, like like Charles said, his final parting gift. The Heat didn't make the playoffs last year, but while he was in Chicago, he told Jimmy Butler, man, it's not like Miami, man. The Heat way, the Heat culture, it's something different, man. I thought Chicago was going to be... It was going to be fun. I was going to go back home. But it's not the same anymore. I'm not a Chicago man anymore. I'm a Miami guy. You're a Miami guy. Whenever you get the chance, I'm going to get you there too. And he got him there. And look at the Heat now. Best best record at home in the NBA. One of the top, what, five teams in the NBA right now. And it's getting fun. Good one. That's a good one. Dwayne Wade. February 22nd is the retirement ceremony. That's... That's gonna be fun. You going? Oh, I probably can't afford that ticket. <laughs> at this point, at this point, that probably sold out. It's probably super. Oh yeah. Super high thanks. stuff up. Charles, thanks for reminding us. Doug for the real MVP. <laughs> uh, Dougie Souls. Uh, Dougie Souls. Wherever Soles. you are in the world, which uh, is probably out somewhere in Brickle, working. <laughs> oh, he is actually gonna move to a new apartment. <laughs> well, he uh, works in Brickle. Oh, that's true. That is true. Uh, okay, that's a good one. Ah, real MVPs. Fantastic. Oh, boy. Uh, so, I guess some other, since we still got like about nine, uh, eight minutes left before our halfway point. Uh, 
Over the last year, guys, what was um, best sports moment for you guys over the last year? And even the last decade, if you want. Hmm. 2010 through 2019. I can start with mine. Go ahead. I guess for the decade... I'll go with, uh, gosh, game six and seven of the 2013 NBA Finals. I was there for both games. Um, it was sentimental to me. Uh, that's why I, was, I wasn't mad at LeBron for leaving. Uh, I saw Ray Allen's shot. I was, in sh I was in utter shock when it happened. I, I couldn't move from my seat. <laughs> I, I wasn't cheering. I wasn't, I was just like... I was, I guess, like a deer in the headlights. Like, just, I froze in that moment, mm -hmm. was in disbelief at what I was seeing. That was how powerful that moment was for me. And then the following night when they won it all. Were you there for both of them? I was there for both games. That's awesome. Uh, so, um, and, uh, yeah, that's why I was never mad at LeBron for leaving. So that would be mine for the decade. And as far as last year, 2019, huh? You know what? I, I'd have to give. Um, it's a more personal one. It, probably the game that we saw the Florida Panthers. We they brought us us goofs on, onto the ice to entertain the masses. <laughs> That's probably mine for 2019. That's a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> uh. Charles, you go next, because I, I probably could do a million. Okay, well, the three, and I'm going to catapult the three, one of them is actually going to be of 2019, but that's something to do with the same group of people, and the other two is going to be part of the decade. I would say three Yankee greats retired. Ooh, that's Mariano a good Rivera in 2013, Derek Jeter in 2014, CeCe Sabathia in 2019. And each one in their final season kind of had an impact. The guys know, and I'm sure the listeners know, Mario Rivera is my favorite Yankee. He is the closer. He is the end. You don't wake up when he comes up, man, because he's the sad man. He puts you to sleep. He helped generate, you know, the World Series rings that we had. Arguably the best receiver. Oh, no, I'm sorry, receiver. I'm thinking of something else. Best reliever. Uh, in addition to that, unanimous Hall of Fame ballot, entry, vote, what have you. I remember I got to see Mariano Rivera shortly before he retired in 2011 or 2012. I'm in Tropicana. The Yankees lost that day, so I didn't get to see him actually pitch, but he was out there signing, and there's some fat guy in Spanish going, Mariano, por los hijos! And I'm about to break out my Spanish, like, Mariano, por mi, por que? Come here! <laughs> you know, come here, man, because I, I loved it. You're that good where... Imagine being being so good at your craft where you are the seminal position. You are the seminal closer. If you look you up closer in the closer. dictionary, that's a, it's his face pops up. Yeah. You know, very humble, very calm, cool, collected. You know, yeah, he might have cost us a World Series, but, you know, we had so many with him. It's okay. You know, I don't take what happened with the Marlins and with the uh, Diamondbacks there. Seriously, it just burns a little bit of my skin. But he, for especially during, you know, I, I grew up in this, you know, it's the first franchise I supported so much of being a kid in 1995, so I'm just on the cusp of five to six, 
and you're getting in the pinstripes, you're being indoctrinated, you're being institutionalized, but you get one of the most humble players out there, you know, from beginning to end. Remember, this is a guy who was supposed to be a full-out starting pitcher who lost all sense and sensibility of any other kind of throw besides his dirty cutter, and it turns out to be, you know, the dirtiest of cutters out there. I'd argue you know. that Mariano Rivera's cutter is probably one of the top ten pitches of all time. It, it, it's it's weird, right? And that's how good you are, because not only are you synonymous with the, the term or position closer, but you're you just as R.A. Dickey is synonymous, I think, with the knuckleballer or Tim Wakefield, so is Mariano, and he's leagues ahead of him. So that's part of it. Jeter, same thing, grew up in the mindset, Captain Clutch, the captain. Mr. You know, November. Mr. November, Mr. You know, quiet New York playboy dating with Milan on the side. You know, another you know soon to be Hall of Famer. Now he's in the Marlins, coming around. Um, possibly savior of the Marlins franchise. Possibly, and just like Dwayne Wade, yeah, welcome. Um, you know, you get all these Golden Gloves. You know, high postseason uh, batting averages, 14-time All-Star, World Series MVP, Rookie of the Year '96. It was weird for me because I realize I'm older. I'm 30. I'll be 31 eventually. Holy and you know, I am I am old. To be a kid watching your legends kind of retire, and I remember being in a one of our pre with Finger Hut in our class. That and Finger Hut also loves the Yanks too. Loves Jeter, and he put on replay uh, Jeter's last home game at plate, and it was a, a double run and in, and that's how he's remembered. Yeah. Win the game. I think it was against the Sox and. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't cry that much. You know, sports, sports is a form of entertainment. It's not something to get emotional. But maybe I got a little misty-eyed for the little boy that's inside of me. And of course, the last one, CC Sabathia's. You know, for 2019, his final game, seeing the man's body literally break down. He was brought in to bring a title in 2009. He brought the title. Thank you for the World Series. Um, he was a consistently good to great pitcher for a couple years. You know, after that, bringing us to those AAC, ALCS games where we just could not beat the Texas Rangers. It happens. They were a better team with who they had. You know, he kept trying to be consistent. Then he had issues with his knee, then his weight. Then, of course, you know, he had his alcoholism issues, checked into rehab. But the guy kind of did everything right, acted right, and, you know, he wanted to go out on his terms. So he knew that 2019 season was going to be his final season. And when he kind of went and he retired, you lose that sensation. Who is Mr. Yankee now? Who is the hero? Right now it's Brett Gardner, but Brett's on a one-year deal. And when Brett goes, is out. So to remember, you know, Human Jeter and Mariano. Yeah, to, to remember uh, him and Jeter going into my childhood, to my teenager, to everything else. Now you're seeing Cece, who was at the cusp of my adulthood, the, the burgeoning beginnings of my adulthood. And he's calling it quits. And he literally, like, died. If you guys watched the thing, his body just broke down. Yeah, and then I his, saw it his, live. His, that was sad. Oof, it, was, it was tough. It was tough, but he, it's a guy who literally it gave it all. It was at home, all. at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was at home. And then his post-release, you know, Twitter release or whatever of his retirement, you know, thank you for being such and such, um, you know, part of my life. And he'll start a new thing, and he'll, he'll get the love. He'll probably have his jersey retired or what have you, but that's for me for the year and for the decade, but I don't want to say it's the New York Yankees because we all roll our eyes, but that's, that's that emotional moment or that's that attachment that makes sports greater than just being guys with sticks hitting balls because they're bored mm-hmm. or they're getting paid a lot of money. Whew, man, this is tough because this has been a, a huge decade. 
three things that I'm going to kind of combine into one um, because that would just take up too much time. Uh, UCF's first bowl win, which was the 2010 Liberty Bowl. Um, that was my first season as a, as a fan. Second would be the 2013 Fiesta Bowl. Okay. 52-42 over Baylor. And the 2018-2017 Peach Bowl against Auburn. Three huge moments in my life. I mean, for varying reasons. The one in 2010, I mean, the Liberty Bowl is not in the realm of things anywhere close to the prestige of the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl, but it was huge for the program. It was the first bowl win ever, and it was against an SEC team. And it was really what further hooked me into being a UCF fan. The other two are obvious. It's huge, huge moments in, the pro- in program history. One of them was our first BCS major bowl win. It was over a team that people gave us less than no chance of winning. And then same thing with the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Uh, man, what else? It's tough to think because it's, it's both short and long, a decade is. Uh, I forget, what is the prompt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the you know, moments of the decade for you personally or in general. Um, I mean, those are all personal to you. That's right. Sure. I think the the game-winning goal by Landon Donovan in the 2010 World Cup against Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good one. I remember screaming and running down the hall when I saw that go in. And, of course, you know, a couple of weeks later, someone came out and posted a whole compilation video of people all over the world celebrating. Uh, what else? Okay. Um, yeah, some big news just happened right now. So. Oh, no, what happened? Huh? What happened? Uh, some worldwide news with Iran and the U.S. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you just saw that, but it's... Uh, uh, sorry, just something... It's real, real-world type of stuff, so... Uh, I was just, uh, had that preoccupied, but we're at the halfway point, guys. Oh, uh, you're cutting so, me off. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I mean, you, you, there's no rules here, man. You can think about it or. It's kind of like Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other major moments. Nope, that was 2008. Um,. I think Michael Phelps getting the the Olympic gold record. I'll say this: uh, U.S. Canada final Olympics 2010. Uh, that was a. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. It was, a, fa- it was an amazing. Of the best hockey games ever it was one of the best games I've ever seen personally. Yeah. 
but I still get nightmares about that ending. Uh, U.S. women winning the FIFA World Cup a couple times this decade. Uh, SB Nation has its prompt here. Tell us about your worst childhood sports nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I got picked off at second base just amazing oh. about. Like, just like, they just, like, the pitcher just turned, no, I got picked off by the catcher. <laughs> they threw it back, like, oh, that was bad. That was a really bad moment. My, my worst was, uh, it was probably, like, T-ball when this happened. Okay. Um, don't ask me why I thought this, but you know how you're allowed to run through first base? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought that was the rule for third base. Oh, no. So, I'm at second, I run toward third, and I'm like, okay, I can just run through the base. And I'll be safe. Oh. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine what happened next. Oh, God. Okay. Oh. Okay. So... But can we want to go to the halfway point? Yeah, um, and I'll I'll think more of my. That's fine. All right, so it's a word from our non-sponsors, people, places, things. We could even do a decade and 2019 version of our favorite uh, non-sponsors of last year and or the decade. Uh, so if anybody wants to start it off, we can go ahead. I mean, I will say this. 2019 would be for me the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> like, like since you know, because we all went to law school around the same time for the most part, and we we were together for two years. Yeah, yeah. So, like between that time, like I I mean I used to play video games like crazy from before that, and then, then law school hit. And I realized, I, I self-realized I couldn't play video games the way I used to, because of, especially first year, because of the, the gauntlet that it was. Uh, so I had to set that aside. And I set it aside for like a long while, like maybe like three and a half to four years. Even 2018, I didn't game that much, even after I had graduated and, and, and started working. but. No, 2019 hit, and I was hitting my stride career-wise, mm -hmm. and and the Switch, uh, gosh darn it, Nintendo, what a fantastic product <laughs> for my lifestyle. I could play the games, the big games, you know, because before I could game on like a 3DS and that type of stuff, and that's what I, I mostly played because there were small bits of... Uh, small bites of games, but you couldn't play any big console stuff. But Nintendo's like, we're gonna give you that big console stuff, and we're not gonna we're not gonna compromise it either. And you get the Switch, which is, and you can put your thing onto the TV as well and play it like a big console if you want. And and I, that's the the Switch. My sister got it for my birthday in 2017. And wow, been out that long? Huh? Yeah, it's been out that long. And. Uh, it's been the perfect companion. I take it with me everywhere I go. <laughs> I, I've been, uh, since I started working, 2018 to till now, um, I, I've been traveling a lot, as you guys notice, uh, to, to work, uh, for work, to, to horrible places, 
to great places like El Paso, Texas. Which, <laughs> Shout uh, out to El Paso. Texas. Exactly, city of the decade. Uh, <laughs> and gosh darn it, the Switch has, has given me some great gaming moments. Uh, I play Smash Bros. like crazy, Splatoon 2 like crazy, uh, Rocket League like crazy now. Um, and we're, we're getting big games that nobody thought we would ever get. Uh, like Doom and, and, and The Witcher and Dark Souls, all that type of stuff. And we're getting all the good Nintendo stuff that I have, I have always loved, like Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild. So uh, 2019 for sure was a switch because I started playing a lot more of it last year. And wow. Whoa. So that's my 2019 non-sponsor for me. Charles, you're next. Oh, man. All right, so it's kind of tough because, like, choosing between children because, you know, everything that we kind of list out each week as a non-spicer. And, you know, guys, there's my strong love of the KFC Cheetos sandwich, which was <laughs> delicious. There was the Tenby tie rack, which made me feel like a real man, to which I'm going to name my firstborn, male or female, or in between after Tenby. Um, there was, obviously, we, we talked about a couple of video games on there, Nintendo Switch, I popped in there, I think I had Smash Brothers in there, um, there's a lot, and if you're going to ask me about 2019, I mean, 20, the decade I already know, and it's going to be the decade that led to, you know, probably a lot of weight I gained before I actually got myself serious, and that was just Taco Bell, because 2010 to, like, 2016 was peak Taco Bell, where they just had all the greatest things ever. You know, you're introduced to drinking for the first time. So when you're like super drunk and you want all the Doritos Los Tacos with a Crunchwrap Supreme, and then like cheesy Fiesta potatoes. So yeah, I, I you know from from Charles that like so what I was 20 in 2009, going to 2010 became 21. So 2010 to like 2016, I probably couldn't advocate enough for it uh, because it was just all around. Then now I'm not crazy about their new menu. Maybe that's you know, the universe telling me, Charles, you're 30, time to be healthy, we gotta get you to 60, and I'm like, fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they took out... There, I know, they 60? took out the Doritos. I, I can't explain it. So that's my decade we'll throw out there, everybody can agree with me, because the last 10 years of Taco Bell has been pretty great. But 2019, I, I, I'm gonna go with, uh, with, with the thing that was the most memorable for me, and that was uh, going to New Orleans. I loved it, Orleans. you know. I, I love just everything from the food, eating at Daisy Dukes, my my uh, my Louisiana Purdue French toast that was so good. I'll never have another French toast in the state of Florida ever again. Um, it was, at Cap Palace Cafe it was just delicious. I wasn't too crazy about the little banana drink I had, but it was still good. Eating, you know, I have uh, pralines are good. I got like a little bacon peanut butter pretzel <laughs> thing that was good to me for some of the, you know people who go there and all that stuff. And it's like great. Just everything that's sweet there. Um, obviously, Bourbon Street smells like puke, but you know what? Miami smells like puke sometimes. New York smells like puke often, so it's fine. Um, so I, I enjoy it. I, you know, and then I love Frenchman Street, listening to the band until like three in the morning as I'm just drinking a water, and you know, just go around the tours. The World War II Museum was fantastic. You know, I encourage people to travel if you're not burdened with a you know, children or significant other or a dog or a cat that you can't always leave separate because separation anxiety is real with pets. My pets lose their minds all the time. Like, I'm going to D.C. Thursday, so I'm gone from Thursday to Sunday, and I'm looking to travel. Maybe that'll be my non-spice for 2020, but go there to give yourself some culture, to realize it's a tourist place, 
But it's also a lot of fun because it's a place where you can craft your fun. I went for there for the party boy in me, which is a rare sleeping bear, but he comes out every now and then. I went there for the foodie in me, and it did not disappoint. I had some catfish. I had shrimp. I, I even had good pizza on Bourbon Street. Granted, like, you know, three hurricanes in and a hand grenade. Anything's going to taste great, but the pizza was pretty good from what I remember. And I went there for the different culture, the music. Uh, the World War II Museum excellent. I will go back there, give it a couple of years, you know, maybe another year and a half. So that's my non-sponsor. Sponsor, usually I go with items or a video game or food. 10B Tyrac was pretty close to you guys. I got to tell you, I really want to give it to it because it may, if, if I think by getting that and purchasing it and hanging and putting Tyler put some hairs on my chest. Maybe it made my mustache go out full. I, I swear I got a letter from Social Security the next day um, and the IRS. Turns out with other things, that's not fun. Um, ah, but New Orleans, I'll give it to you. Have fun with it. <laughs> okay. How about you, Andrew? Oh. I'm trying to think of one for the decade, because I did one from last year, but not of the decade. Gosh, that's a little hard for me. Not so many things. For the year? Um... Probably FIU Law School. Because. Yeah, because okay. it got me through part of the bar. Yeah, oh, that's true. Um, and actually, the MPRE for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into 2020, uh, hopefully I'll be able to pass the uh, quarter portion of the bar. Uh, as for the decade, uh, I'm going to skip UCF just because I already mentioned them earlier. Um, I will go back to FIU Law, and here's why. Um, here you want to play? Sure. LSU is winning the national championship, everyone. You saw it here first. <laughs> the Sports Goof Simulator. Um, for FIU, um, I'm going to get a bit sen- sentimental again. I apologize, fellas. But I've met my best friends at FIU. Um, you know, Dougie Souls, Yankel. Uh, there's these two assholes named Francisco and Charles. Oh, those guys suck. Yeah, they suck. Um, no, but seriously, you know, you always, you know, I thought, oh, call it, you know, it's just all going to go downhill from from UCF. You know, I had so much fun there. Um, but, nah, it's the good times have kept rolling. And in some ways, uh, I've had more fun at FIU just because, you know, I'm older and more mature. People have more in common with me. Um... I don't know, I keep go, I'm getting really sentimental here, but uh, that's, you know, I spent three good years at FIU Law. Um, I'm still heavily connected to it. I'm connected to the friends that I've had. Um, so, yeah, if, if I'm 
bypassing UCF, because I already mentioned them, then it would have to go to FIU Law School, College of Law. I can be very sentimental, guys. Uh, if I had to give one for the decade, I'd give it to my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I I come in with this with this huge thing about you know oh I have so many good friends and I spent four uh, three years there my fucking iPhone. <laughs> Actually, what you said there led me to the iPhone. Oh joy! I'm thinking about it from what I my my everyday life now. Like I use my phone for everything. Mm -hmm. Like. Every week, like on Sunday morning, the iPhone gives you a little report of how much you use it, and I use it a little too damn much. <laughs> but uh, just thinking about everything that has happened in my life since I got an iPhone, like that's and, and think about everything that that phone contains, mm -hmm. all the contacts, and I, I I I can look through the contacts that I had, all the contacts I had for the most part since 2010 up to now, are in there. Yeah. From my time at Florida State, uh, my time coming back home, to going back to Palm Beach State, uh, my, my time at uh, FAU, uh, getting my master's, my time moving to Miami, getting my, my law degree, my time uh, finding a job, and, and getting a job, and up to now. like And all those memories, all of that is encapsulated into that phone that I have. Uh, it's the, uh, the new versions coming in, you know, every so often, year after year. But, but uh, you know, but the iPhone in general, my phone, uh, contains all these memories. Everything that I've done uh, is in there. Like as far as making, oh sorry, <laughs> as far as like um, keeping the contacts with my friends, uh, all the stuff that I did on Twitter. All the stuff, um, uh, people that I've met, uh, past loves, past everything, all that was through that that little rectangular thing that I carry with me all the time. My job, my job depends on the damn thing. Like everything is through that phone. Without that phone, I am essentially nothing. <laughs> I am I am just a a, a carcass. <laughs> but that phone. It's everything in there. My family's in there. My friends are in there. My opinions, my all the facts, my my livelihood is through that phone. So, how can I not give it to the phone over the decade? Like I never used to rely on it before, but That's now fair. I can't. You can't really. I in my person, my profession, that type of stuff, and the things that I like can't go without it. So, my phone. Uh, and yes, uh, you know. Yeah, my phone. <laughs> Francisco's phone, everybody. <laughs> it's in there, man. I use it to, to contact everybody, including my friends who are on my show right now. <laughs> so thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, Apple, and I don't know. It doesn't matter. Android, Apple, whatever. Kleenex is 2019 non-sponsor for my sappy... <laughs> My sappiness. <laughs> well, you did put them as a non-sponsor when you were sick last year. That's just true. Just like I had looted. That is true. That is true. That's a so, good one. You know, nice call. We'll just designate them. Oh, That's a nice call, man. Oh, yeah.
That's that was a fun one. That was fun. Yeah, looking back on the year, the decade of stuff we like. Okay, so I guess um, now it's time to look ahead. Yeah, 2020. Things uh, predict uh, as far as we all. Gosh darn it! I do feel like the Yankees are gonna win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I feel like I don't, because of all this because of how they've constructed their team, like and because of of the the injustices had upon them in the American League championships and stuff. They're they're gonna find a way. They're gonna find a way. So, but I guess if I had to protect 2020 World Series champion, it's gonna be the New York Yankees, and the world will be all the worse for it. That's um, harsh. <laughs> I'm gonna chime in. I mean, guys, Francisco, you and I have 2020 vision because we see it clearly. The Yankees are gonna win the World Series. You wanna know why? Because we're the best alternative that you have. Do you want the Red Sox or the no, Astros we, to we, claim these titles after they cheated? The the city and region of Boston has had enough with all their teams being good the first two decades of this millennium. So, uh, yeah, it's over now. It, the Tennessee Titans have ended it. Uh, the St. Louis Blues helped last year as well. And, uh, you know... Yeah, it is the beginning of the end for Boston. Actually, this kind of is reminiscent of uh, the early 1900s. Because <laughs> the Boston teams were pretty good in the beginning as well back then. Yeah. And now it's going to be a bunch of misery. So, hopefully. God bless. Yeah. Well earned. But, no, no this, the Yankees have constructed a great team. They got Garrett Cole, the big prize of free agency. And they've constructed their team with all of that sabermetrics stuff to go along with their billions of dollars. They can they can just throw at anybody. Like they like the Los Angeles Dodgers have tried to crack this code, but I feel like the Yankees are going to be the ones to do it. Uh, the Dodgers have spent a ton of money and developed their players, and but I think the Yankees have. What it takes, along with karma and baseball gods, to pull it through this season. It's going to be. That's the way I feel. I mean, they got really close already, so they're just. They, they and honestly, they were an ace pitcher away from from doing so. So I guess, like Charles was saying earlier, CC Sabathia. I mean, this is one era going into another one, probably. Oof. That rotation, man, just. Just to and you know, just to focus on a little bit. Everybody stays healthy. Garrett Cole, James Paxton, Luis Severino, Domingo Germain when he comes back from his you know domestic violence, you know uh, suspension, assuming they don't work him out of the bullpen, and then Mashiro Tanaka. I am so excited. You know what's gonna happen, right? They'll be fine, and. All the offensive guys are gonna like, get even if you guys hurt. get injured. Like so for some reason, everybody on the Yankees was dropping like flies throughout 2019, and yet they still kept winning. Uh, uh, it, good, good management. Good yeah. managing. Aaron Boone is no—he—he's he, he, a boon for the Yanks. 
He's a boon for the Yanks as a manager. It is unacceptable that he did not get manager of the year because this is what happens every time the Yankees have a little feel-good story about them, their manager doesn't get afforded. We had everybody on that DL or that IL, whatever they want to call it now. Everybody. And they didn't want to give it to him. But you know what? We'll come back harder because, you know, if, if you can't love us, we'll make you hate us. That African proverb or the child who does not feel the warmth of the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. We're burning it down, MLB. We're coming at you hard. Uh, okay, so, um, well, since, I mean, technically we're still uh, we're in the NFL playoffs. Of the teams that are left uh, outside of the Tennessee Titans, who's going to... I mean, you would think the Chiefs would finally find a way to pull this off, right? Like, Andy, I feel, I think it would feel good if Andy Reid could get his one. Like, this is probably the best shot he's had at it. Like, the, the big, the big bugaboo is gone. The Patriots are gone. Like, this is their time. Like, they, they can't screw this up, can they? Yes, they can. Like and I'll tell you why. <laughs> They're going to go full read on us. <laughs> They're going to go full revenge. One of the things is, is they don't have the running game. It's Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. And then two, you know what happens. Andy Reid psychs him out too much. It, I actually talked to people earlier. I think Houston's going to win. I don't think uh, the Chiefs advance out of this round. You know, there's only going to be – I have it straight up where, you know, Baltimore is probably going to be the only one who takes it as a home team and everybody else. Uh, you know, it's walking a fine line. Like, Seattle's going to beat who they got to beat. Um, San Fran, that's a lie. San Fran will be the home team that comes in. But I don't see it in Kansas City because if they can't get it going. Now, mind you, Houston got lucky. That happens in the playoffs. But there's a there's a benefit and there's also a detriment to having a bye week because you come out of sync, you're not feeling it. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is basically a saint, but is his receiver's gonna you know come out of the gate hot is that defense which is suspect you know gonna be able to deal with the magical god-given abilities of Deshaun Watson because he's going what son try to sack me because he can't sack him and then you got you know DeAndre Hopkins who's just better than like all the receivers combined and Travis Kelsey at the end of the day because he only really gets shut out when Jalen Ramsey's around and guess what none of those corners on that team for the Chiefs is Jalen Ramsey. You got the Honey Badger, and we love us a little bit, the Honey Badger on the Chiefs, but guess what? You know, one man is not going to stop a god, and that's what was going on with Hopkins. And now you got kind of two gods with Deshaun Watson saying that to your face. So, I don't know, JJ Watts back, so you got the other Watson kicking in? Yeah, I don't know, guys. I don't think it's Kansas City. I feel like, I don't know what, Hmm. I, I'm just trying to figure out how Baltimore can translate what they've been doing in the playoffs. I feel like the playoffs would be a different beast than what they. I mean, they've got this time off. Not. That's why I, I feel like Kansas City might have the gumption to finally at least get to the Super Bowl uh, from here on out. As long as once, yeah, once again, if they don't go full read on us. Uh, Baltimore, uh, gosh. That's going to be really hard to get past them, though. I feel like that we'll get Baltimore KC in that AFC Championship. But uh, it really depends on how Baltimore is in their in this game against the um, 
against the Titans. If the Titans keep it close, then it's like okay, there's 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 a weak there's a weak point that KC can can uh, can expose and get at. Um, I mean, as far as overall, I feel. I mean, I don't know. I don't believe in San Francisco. I still don't believe in San Francisco. Really. I, I don't think they, they they haven't done anything even in the regular season to me to warrant them being an odds-on favorite to win it in the NFC. I feel like Seattle can even take it to them. I mean, they played. I mean, they, they've had they already kind of dispelled their their road woes um, by winning the last game against Philadelphia. So. And, and they, they might, yeah, they've lost San Francisco in the regular season, but they, it doesn't really matter anymore. They can just get a crack at it in the playoffs, and they, they've got guys that are, I mean, freaking, they got beast mode back as well. I mean, I mean there's a lot of um, momentum for the Seahawks with regards to that. Um, that would be my, my NFC favorite, to be honest. Uh, like, even Green Bay. I don't know. I, somehow I feel good about the Seahawks. I somehow feel good about them. No, that's just me. That's just me. I have Baltimore, Seattle in the beginning of the year. You know, it's tough for Seattle when there's all those injuries to running backs. So here's the thing. Marshawn Lynch is old. He's going to be your goal linebacker. Let Travis Homer, a former Hurricane, get get his job done. It will be uh, getting touchdowns like they're donuts, you guys. But, um, you know, it's more complete. The downside a little bit for the Seahawks was if Josh Gordon just knew how to, like, not violate anything, he would be primed to help them go further in the playoffs. But I, I think they they did a shellacking a little bit of Philly. Philly was, mind you, Philly kind of put it to them, and they were undermanned severely. But I think they're still trying to figure out what that offense can be with just a lot of, you know, cast off of running backs. But them versus Green Bay, you know, I'm going to say right now, and you know what, I made a joke about it earlier, but, um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl with this team this year, I'll buy a Rodgers jersey for all the guys in the office because I don't think he's really having that good of the year. I understand the offense is different, but I just don't see it anymore with him the way he's been playing and now he's going to be that quarterback who just needs the cavalcade of good receivers, the great receivers, to help make everything go on. Aaron Jones is a fine addition. That Seattle defense is still kind of tough to break down with Jaron Reed, Jadavian Clowney, if healthy, and a few other players that they have going on there. And then Russ Wilson has been kind of elite beyond elite to keep it going. And then on Baltimore's sake, I mean, they're going to play us this week, Tennessee. I would love it that Tennessee Titans also knock off Baltimore. I would love it if they won the Super Bowl. I'm a realist. It's not happening. But Baltimore, after that, Kansas City or Houston, and, you know, they went toe-to-toe with everybody else who was great in the season, and it's just everybody's too exciting. Maybe it fringes on Mark Ingram's injury because you're losing your second-best runner. And, you know, I think the only thing that can really stop Baltimore because Arbaugh's game planning very well is – you know, does Lamar Jackson get hurt? Because that's, that's the thing I want to see. Remember, he didn't go through a full season in the last year in his rookie year. He came in halfway and had one playoff game. Now we're talking about the full 16 games and then the remainder of playoffs. Will his body break down from a bad hit? Will he get injured? Is something a sprain the wrong way? 
because if that, that's the case and it comes RG3, we're a little bit concerned. That's the reason why they rested, you know, him in the final game of the season so Griffin come in. But really, Baltimore-Seattle and then... I think that's the match everybody wants who's not a fan of the specific teams in the playoffs. I mean, granted, I would love the Titans, you know, but uh, I'm being objective. What can I say? Okay. Um, okay, so there's a college football national championship next week. We have two championship games next week. That's true. Starting first on Saturday, we have the FCS National Championship between defending champion North Dakota State, the Bison, and James Madison University Dukes. Uh, JMU is based out of... Uh, Virginia? Yeah. I forget where in Virginia. That makes sense. Um, I forget where in Virginia... And then North Dakota State. Oh, no, 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 no. This is the bison. And by the way, it's not bison. It's bison. It's a Z instead of an S. Even though it's spelled with an S, it's pronounced with a Z. They make that very clear. Um, No, the bison have been to several uh, championships. Uh, Let me look that up. And they usually win all of them. Where does where where do they play this? Frisco, Texas. Oh, that's that's like the only place they play. It. <clears throat> oh yeah, that's right. We were talking about that for one of the bowl games. Right, where the place they host the. Is it, I wonder if it's still called the DXL Frisco Bowl, but it's it's held there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Obviously, the big one that everyone's talking about is uh, LSU and Clemson. Uh, That's taking place in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome down in Louisiana. Um, That is a bona fide home game. Uh, That is a de facto home game for LSU. Um, So, the, the people are are eagerly awaiting to see what sort of mayhem will result. Because not only is it New Orleans, New Orleans for any game is crazy. So it's New Orleans. The national championship, which regardless of who's in it, it still gets a bit crazy. It's got the biggest team in Louisiana. It is going to be mass mayhem. And it's going to be amazing. Wow. Um, go Clemson. <laughs> uh, let me see where James Madison... That's going to bother me. LSU's so definitively beat Oklahoma. Like... Harrisonburg, Virginia. Are they odds-on just going to win, or does Clemson even stand a chance? Clemson is going to win. Because, I mean, they've got the experience, that's for sure. Clemson has the experience, no doubt. Um, I don't know, man. When you, when you massacre a team that readily, it's tough to... 
I get it. Oklahoma's not a great team. They got massacred last year against Alabama. Um, but, damn. The game, I think, was like 56 to 28 or something, if I remember correctly. Something ridiculous. Um, but... It, it easily could have been 70 points for, for Ellis. Where are you going? Anyway. Um, it easily could have been 70 points for LSU if they wanted to. Um, I mean, can win a game basketball gets by 12-year-old Matthew. LSU is playing a big boy now. I mean, that is true. Um... Clemson is definitely a not a team to mess with. That being said, they beat they beat everybody they face, uh, and I I know Clemson did too, but they beat Alabama. They beat they they are a tough team. I I think they win. Because they've got Joe freaking Burrow. He's the Heisman winner, and it's not... He deserves it. He was insane this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has not been the Trevor Lawrence of last year. He hasn't been... Don't get me wrong, he's still a good quarterback, but he's not as explosive as he was. That could have just been a one-year massive fluke, who knows. But odds are odds on favorite is LSU right now. They they're just really damn good. Everything seems to be pointing towards them. Yeah. I mean, if Clemson goes into uh, probably the biggest road disadvantage in a long time. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Imagine that Okay, what was the year that Green Bay won the Super Bowl? It was like 2011 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, imagine if I'm trying to think of a, a random small city that's in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it's the smallest city. <laughs> well, I'm using Green Bay as LSU in this example. Oh, let's switch it to the Patriots. Then. I'm giving the Patriots. As the... they've been so dominant. Okay. Versus... But I meant it more for the, the, the crowd. The crowd? Oh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas. Like, Rockets? Oakland Raiders. The New Orleans okay. Saints. Good one. Okay. Imagine... The Oakland Raiders in their heyday, you know, when they were just, you know, Los Angeles, Los Raiders, Angeles, John Madden, and all that. Right. So imagine that, and you're playing someone, whatever. You're playing them in Los Angeles. UCLA, ready to kick this one off. Right. Not only is LSU a good team, they're a great team. They're arguably, well, their ranking says they're number one, and they deserve that number one ranking. But the 
this is home field this is home field advantage like nothing ever before I think well that's not true I think they want to at least play the national championship in the Superdome a couple of times but this is a whole different monster I think um, that being said there is a bit of a curse Mm. In the 14, 15, 16, 16. This is the 6th season of the college football playoff. Right. In the five preceding seasons, the number one seed has never won. Really? The number one seed has never won the national championship in the preceding five years. So when Alabama won all those, they were number two? Right. Holy. Wow. During the last five years. Yeah. It's third down and ten. Ball on their own 14. Um. Number 28 lines up in the deep back. I formation. Yeah, let me look that up to double check because I would have egg on my face if I didn't look it up. Um, and Charles, to answer your question about North, uh, NDSU, they have won the national. They won national championships in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2017, and 2018. So since 2011, they've only not won one national championship, and I think they were in that one. So I want to ask you a question real quick, not the beat or away from the Yes. Yes, sir. Sorry. So, if they've been that dominant, what what is the basis of them being able to go from Division One, Division Two? Because that's a that's a mark of success that is just ridiculously great. Well, they are in Division One, but they're in FCS. Okay, so FBS. I mean. So you want to know why they wouldn't make the jump? Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious because, I mean, you're basically sitting on your crown of championships, so I don't know if it's a mission thing or if they're just their own personal AD and school and board of governors don't want to go into it. I'm just curious. Um, it comes down to logistics. It comes down to budget. It is expensive as hell to run a football team at any level. Um, and once you're getting into the FBS level, it, like, just in the past couple of years, now that things are getting a bit more stratified between the FBS and FCS levels, hell, even just, just the Power Five and the Group of Five, um, you know, UConn, is moving down to FBS independent. They're not even going to be in a conference anymore because they can't take it. They can't afford it. Uh, University of Idaho dropped back down to FCS. Um, UMass came up from FCS, and there's there are indications they may just go back because they can't afford it anymore. Um, and then the other problem is... If, well, 
look and run. I don't know. That's the the big issue is just the money. Um, okay. Don't get me wrong. If they ju- a conference would sweep them up in a heartbeat if they decided to jump to FBS. They they are legitimately I think as good as any not any FBS team, but they would hold their own from the get go and then give them a few years with the added resources from conference. Uh, conference TV or whatnot and they would be very they would be contenders for the conference championship pretty quickly um, of course it would be a smaller conference like the the MAC or Conference USA no power five conference would pick them up so the issue isn't the fact that they can play with the big boys it's just they can't pay with the big boys if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. That was actually very clever on my part. <laughs> they can play with the big boys. They can't pay with the big boys. I like Gotta that. Gotta pay to play. Okay. Uh, all right, so that's a uh, college football kind of insight into the to the future. Hopefully next week. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, Charles, I... I know it's wide open, but right now for the NBA, do you have any predictions as to where we're going so far? Because I, I, I will make a valid prediction. The Bucks will not win the damn title because that's what everybody and their mothers on basketball is a very long sport. I am very cognizant of the fact that they have only like seven losses. I believe Mike Budenholzer is a fantastic coach. He was a fantastic coach last year, and they have built a strong team, and yet here we are crowning them when they haven't it's a little bit more anything. competitive. Yeah, and that's with everybody. Even you and I talked about it beforehand in the past about the heat season, how great it is, but they haven't really beat anybody. Now they're starting to beat people. Yeah. They beat Houston a couple of times. They beat Philly a couple of times through the they fraud. They beat Milwaukee. They beat uh, Houston, Philly. Uh, they've come close against the Lakers. It's not, they, they're, they're competitive yeah. enough. Yeah, so, you know, it's very tough because what I find about basketball, that I think is actually great for the sport because you don't get it in baseball and you certainly don't get it in um, football. Come trade deadline time, boy, howdy, you get some players that get moved that just, just amplify a team. As a Heat fan... We all, well, we got Gorin, and we thought getting Gorin and Bosch before the blood clots was going to change everything, and we got all very uh, aroused by the pick-and-pop game that would have been, or even we got a, a certain man coming back from, you know, not Japan, but overseas, you know, Birdman Anderson, how that changed our game, um, you know, or a lot of other teams that have those mid-season traits. There's a plethora of them. I mean, look, just even getting Jimmy Butler last year for the 76ers, and, you know, this is the sport where that one trade changes, so I'm not going to crown anybody until I see what unhappy person wants out of their contract and what rebuilding team, the Pistons, would do with an Andre Drummond putting them elsewhere because basketball is that sport where you can trade people and at the tip of the hat and it's over. Want to know how we know? Because history tells us such. Remember the Lakers when they got Pau Gasol? Man. Yeah, you know they didn't win it that year. They went to the, they lost the Celtics seven, but then they won the following two years. You know sometimes the trades that happen before the deadline set up for the immediate future, and sometimes set off past. Let me give you an example. Last year's 
traded for Kawhi, and then midseason they went and got Marcus All because Marcus All is a big postman who could stop the outside shooting three, you know, and look what it yielded. The result that you wanted. Granted, I know Andrew hates asterisks. I respect his opinion, but that's kind of a big asterisk when it's just basically, you know, Steph Curry doing some things, trying to go against that Toronto team. But I'm not going to go against it because it actually supports my theory that they trade for the right guys. So looking at the standings now, I mean, likely favorites are easy. Milwaukee of the East. I really like what the Celtics are doing. They could be that team who trades for the big man because Thice and... Um, uh, I mean, the Celtics and Danny Ainge has found a way to kind of construct this team through some savvy trades and all that type of stuff, so I could see them yeah. doing that. Yeah. I can so see the, the Heat doing I mean, that as well. The Heat are infamous for, for savvy trades as well. I like I like our guys, though. I don't want to really trade away... I mean, there's, there's the debate God, about man. Justice Winslow... Because he's been out for a while. They've been doing great without him for a while. Is he necessary on this team? But yeah, there's but the other argument, other argument, like uh, last game, James Johnson. He's been sitting for quite a while. Uh, Spo found a, found a, a moment to call him up. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler was, was out for the game. So, and James Johnson balled out. You know, Goran Dragic got 29 points in the game. So... Uh, maybe justice is just a matter of, you know what? He's still valuable to us. We'll find a way to work him in. Of course, Eric Spolstra is a great head coach. Um, so, uh, gosh, it, it's really tough to gauge the heat. Is, is this enough, or do they need, like, one extra piece? One, I don't know. I don't know what the oomph would be, the, the push I mean, would be. I would like another big man who can shoot because Myers Leonard is kind of inconsistent. Because right. him and Kelly Olynyk, if they could just do a DBZ fusion and become like Kelly Leonard, then it would work a little bit. Because Bam is the rim protector who actually can pass out of the post. I wish Hassan would do that. Let's talk about that real quickly in a two You're seconds of an insult. You know, Hassan comes back to Miami, has a fantastic game. And the team still loses. Oh, Doesn't that, that sound familiar? That was the uh, that was the topic of debate, uh, especially uh, because it's like okay, what well, he had a triple double, right? He had a triple double. <laughs> he played excellent, and his team still lost. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Hassan Whiteside, actually, even before the game, uh, they asked uh, he uh, beat writer Ira Winderman. Like, what if the the, the Portland Trailblazers decide to, to feed uh, Hassan Whiteside the ball? Because, you know, this is his revenge game. And he actually stated, he said, the Heat would love it if that was the game plan for the, for the Blazers that game. Because it means the ball is out of the hands of a guy named Damian Lillard. Uh, out of the all the shooters, all the shooters that Hassan Whiteside was talking about, we got shooters... Uh, it's out of their hands and in his hands where the ball just basically is a black hole. So that was what happened in a sense. Amazing. You know? Just amazing. Um, and that was his time. Going into the Western Conference because we can attack us on all day long. Nice guy. Mains a Yoshi, so that annoys Francisco. And for me, it was, you're a man in the post who doesn't know how to pass out of the post, so you're useless because you can't help function a three-point shot 
when it's so damn viable these days. The Lakers, depending on LeBron's health, they could be a big... Frank Vogel's done great, let's just say it. I know we want to talk about talent, but they've gotten better defensively. He's much a better good coach. Defensively. He just needs a good oh, yeah. team around him. You know, I mean, he had, he had solid pieces in Indiana, but then he goes off to, what, uh, was it Orlando? Orlando, Orlando. The, the Magic don't have the pieces for him to work with. Yeah. He didn't develop uh, the pieces. Then he goes off to L.A. and he's been handed, uh, you know, last year, frankly, you know, there was still a team in transition. And they, they, they got the big guy, uh, A.D., who uh, declined uh, an extension offer today, but that's probably par for the course because he, he can get more money uh, just by entering free agency. Even if he stays with the Lakers, he'll, he'll get paid more. Um, I still, you know, I've been watching some of the Clippers games uh, in the late games, and they look good to me. I feel like uh, they especially, I mean, they, they play the Lakers really well. Um, I, I think they're, especially Doc Rivers, Kawhi Leonard, those guys, in the mindset, they don't have to win every single freaking game. Uh, they have a mercenary like Kawhi who's gone into, you know, hostile road environments and won. The Clippers have a, have a you know, this kind of there's a grittiness behind them, especially with a guy like Patrick Beverly, guys like that, that kind of helps them uh, keep their composure in, in, in these tough situations going on the road and stuff. So I still see them as a as a really legitimate contender, uh, possibly even being able to beat the Lakers in the seven-game series. I feel like they, they could find a way to wear them down. Um, and Kawhi is is one of the one of the dynasty killers, so it, it's a very real possibility that that's that the Clippers. I mean, they look good. They look. I don't believe what's uh, in what's going out in Houston. I don't think the Rockets will. Uh, the, you know, regular season, blah blah blah. They'll they'll get their wins. They'll get like a three or maybe even a two seed if, if they really. Uh, do great and all that stuff, but um, I don't see them putting it together for the playoffs. They're still highly dependent on on that high-powered offense, and that and they they disappear. They disappear at the at the at the biggest moments. And you got you got two guys that that. That also disappeared. You got James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So it's. I don't believe in what's going out on out in Houston. Um, Dark Horse. I mean. Denver. Yes. How do you, how do you sleep on a two seed? Like they're in the same position as they were last year. They finished the one seed. Fundamentally sound team. Mike Malone should be appreciated for his work done. They, they almost feel like the Utah Jazz of the nineties. Yeah, that's fairly accurate fairly accurate. A lot of complete players, no superstars. I think that's the problem that hurts them because Gary Barton... I mean, Jokic is, 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 a, is kind of like yeah. a, a quiet superstar. I'm a Tim Duncan-esque in some sense. Uh, and it's because of the position he plays. That's the right. problem. You know, He's not a sexy shooter on the three because that's what we got used to on big men, but the guy's rock solid. Good post defender. Can shoot You know, a little bit outside of the paint reliable, can dunk. Trust me, we've seen big men who can't dunk. Huh. It happens. 
He's got handles, man. Um, they're just a complete team. Would you always like them to have more reliable shooting? Yeah, because that's always what you want out of a team, right? But that's a defensively sound team, and good on Malone. He deserved that extension for like another two years, I think they set out from his original contract. Um, it's weird saying a number two seed, and maybe it's because we feel it's a fluke, but I can't call it a fluke when they were in that position last year. I agree with you, Houston. Not serious about them. The Clippers, you know, I, they can make that run. I, it's basketball. Really, one through six is just as dangerous. The only ones we don't take seriously is seven and eight. Uh, that's the truth. I mean, currently right now, because uh, Milwaukee's number one, then the Lakers, then the Celtics, then the Heat, and then the Nuggets. Those are your top five. Then behind them is Houston. Uh, so those are the top six teams, then, then the Clippers. But like I said, I don't think the Clippers are putting that much importance in the regular season. Uh, they have the Kawhi maintenance program that affects their record. Um, Doc Rivers also, I mean, he's been, this is not his first rodeo, so uh, he knows that, you know, some games the teams can take off a little bit, you know? And sometimes you don't want to show all your cards, really. They've shown their cards against the Lakers for the most part, but um, they don't want to show all of their cards uh, prior to the playoffs. Once the playoffs start, it's a whole different, you know, half-court ball game, all that type of stuff. Like, regular season is more about figuring out your rotations, tinkering with what you got, experimenting a little bit. The, the Spolster is famous for experimenting. You got that zone defense that the Heat are trying as well. Uh, this is fun to see. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I like the Clippers. I like the Clippers. I mean, I've seen a few of their ball games now because uh, I'm a fan of Kawhi. So, uh, and I've, I like what I've been seeing. I feel like once the playoffs start, we're going to see, uh, basically, they're, they're going to try and copy the Toronto Raptors model in some sense, but probably with some some nicer pieces than, than the Raptors had even last year. Um, so, yeah. So, so, that's my, I, I feel like it'll come out of the West as much as I want the Heat to do well. Um, I feel like the champion will come out of the West. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to run over a little bit and do a little bit of cage? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because I can't really predict an NHL champion. It's so random. Who would have thought this? Who would have thought the St. Louis Blues, they were the last place team starting 2019, and they won the Stanley Cup? I know. So it's really hard to predict. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings are not going to win it. That's for sure. Who? And the Red Wings. Right. They're the worst team. They're way worse than the Blues were last year. So, but it's really hard. I mean, the Capitals look great, but the Capitals look great every year. And, you know, they, they only want, they only got one. Uh, the Bruins look good, but they're kind of falling off. <coughs> the Lightning scare me. Why? They are on, because they started off the year, like, kind of eh, mm -hmm. but they've, they're starting to hit their stride, and I feel like, and I've said this on Twitter, I, I feel like they could t retake the division by the All-Star break. Like they've climbed all the way back. They got the third place seed in the Atlantic division. They're going to come for the second one, and the Bruins have kind of stumbled. So the Lightning are like really three, maybe like four or five games away from retaking that division and going into the All-Star break with the lead. And they were embarrassed last year. I don't think they were... Like, they they look like they're on a mission. 
they're they're kind of Virginia Cavaliering this basketball wise yeah. in some sense like like it that it, was they the, scare me they really do scare me it was humiliating the Panthers can't beat them uh, the Panthers are like we beat them one game but it was kind of like you know home opener that type of stuff and the Lightning weren't playing that well but the, the last end the, the, the Lightning spanked the Panthers the Panthers have the second second best offense in the NHL right now and the Lightning held them to one goal and spanked them like 6-1 to one. so yeah if I had to choose like like a team that I could see winning the cup, it would be the Lightning, just because of how they're playing and how they're going about their season. Out, out west, I can't. It's the Blues look good, but I can't see them repeating. It's so hard to repeat in the NHL. The Penguins did it, but it's really hard. Um, other than that, yeah, that's my NHL. 2020 I guess, from what I've seen. Honestly, I've not been following as much as I would want to. Uh, I will tell you this. Connor McDavid is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you should have seen the goal that he had the last game against the Leafs. Faking uh, this guy out. I mean, he is... He's a cheat code. He is a freaking cheat code. Yeah, the Oilers suck, but he is a cheat code. Um, they've kind of fallen a bit. Uh, they could... They, they, they're still kind of... They could make the playoffs, but it doesn't look like they'll get far because it, there's only so much McDavid can do. is mm -hmm. actually really good as well, but there's only so much that top line can do. The rest of the team is just eh. Defense is eh. Okay. So, Charles, uh, let's get into a very uh, 2019 review slash 2020 outlook of the Ooh. game. Ooh. Oh, well, boy. welcome everybody. Ooh. Oh boy! Ready? Ready? A lot Ready. of things in wrestling happened last year. You, you guys, so many of the things, and a lot of things happened in 2020 already a start. So, welcome everybody to your 2020 Vision Edition of the Cage with Charles, your weekly slash yearly Truplex, maybe. <laughs> What's going on for your everyday fashion? Full disclaimer, wrestling is not fake, it is scripted, it is a dance, it is a ballet, it is poetry in motion. Man versus woman, you know, man versus man for love of a woman, love of a man, chasing championships. It's a pure, good, underdog story. And, you guys, 2019 was a weird year. 2019 was all about what? Like Competition. Because in 2019, you had the WWE, thinking it's the cock of the walk. But then you had that uh that that cool new guy that moved down uh the street called All Elite Wrestling AEW, financed by Tony Khan, son of Jacksonville Jaguar owner Shad Khan, with the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega as the VPs, putting some things in motion here. They had their pay-per-views, double or nothing, a couple other ones, and then they had uh Full Gear, and then they also had their TV show Wednesday Dynamite premiere. Coincidentally, Vince McMahon. Pulled off some big trigger moves. He had NXT go live instead of it being pre-recorded on the WWE Network for $9.99 a month. You should get it if you like some wrestling or you want to be intrigued. Instead, they went live on USA. Furthermore, Fridays. Now Friday's not Friday Night SmackDown, guys. I have a hard time watching it because I like to think I do stuff for a living, which is really not true. I just, you know, go to the gym and pass out. But, you know, wrestling's available on Fridays now. You know, Monday Night Raw was around, but it shifted around a bit. So, you know, we've now kind of had, like, the weekly war going on for competition. 
New Japan Wrestling, still kind of excellent. I want to talk about them for the 2020 vision of it, but we're on 2019. But if you said, guys, Charles, in your cage, if you had to put up some picture frames of a great 2019 season, what would you put up there? Respectfully for AEW, even though I'm not fully sold on it, I still watch bits of it. I'll watch some of it tomorrow, along with some NXT. You know, I'll put on the success of them putting the title belt on Le Champion. The greatest champion to ever walk in all forms of wrestling industry. That's where I'm going there. For WWE, for WCW, now for AEW. The right decision where they get my picture frame. Chris Jericho. They made him the all-elite wrestling heavyweight champion of the world. The right decision. He got a little bit of bubbly. The man gets everything over. The man can get a fart over with the crowd. He's that good. He's got catchphrases. I love him. He, he's just so good. He's the total package. He's the, he is the total package. That dad bod, not so much, but you know what? He's almost 50. What am I going to do? He found and he's rejuvenated in his career because he went from being kind of like a pedantic crap heel to being this kind of pseudo-dominant champion. He's been holding the belt since it was introduced back in around August or September, if memory serves right. Beat Adam Page clean, defended it against Cody Rhodes, won against Cody, and now... The other 2019 surprise, my other picture frame for AEW, John Moxley is challenging for the title. The former Dean Ambrose, are they going to give it to him? I think they're going to pull a sneaky. I don't think they're going to let Moxley have it. I think they're going to try to build up some stars, and then eventually Kenny Omega will take it from Chris Jericho. But right now, that's kind of like the claim to fame for AEW. I'll even give Cody Rhodes a picture frame. Your match with your brother Dustin Rhodes was pretty great. Your match with Chris Jericho was pretty great. I kind of wish you weren't so involved in all the storylines because you're getting beat up now by MJF who introduced Wadlow and now you got the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. It's a weird name of the team. I don't know. Whatever. Coming into play. But, you know, Cody, I'll put you on in there. You guys are doing good. You've only been in existence, really, for, in my opinion, two or three months. I know you've been around longer because you have pay-per-views, but I'm judging you from when you came onto a TV show where I can follow you weekly because here's the thing, you guys. AEW is not going to have monthly pay-per-views, unlike their counterpoints. They're only going to have like four or six pay-per-views a year. This is still in the baby steps. But you know what? It's an alternative. We talked about it earlier on video games. Competition makes you better. So, you know, they're making themselves better because they know what they're going to go against. Switching over to WWE. Boy, there were some popular decisions, and there were some unpopular decisions. And if I have to put my picture frame in the cage to remember you by as I'm in my little domicile wondering about life wrestling, two things come to mind. Two things that I think you gentlemen could even predict without having me say it. But I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, I like to take control when you're in my cage. <laughs> Kofi Mania. Kofi Mania was the best feel-good story of the year, the best storyline of the year across all platforms wrestling because you guys know I just don't watch WWE. I'm watching AEW. I'm watching New Japan. I even do a little bit of Ring of Honor, even some TNA Impact. It's kind of rough on that end. Let's not talk about it. But, you know, Kofi Mania, the guy who was in there for 11 years, an unlikely entrant in the whole title picture storyline, you know, because um, Ali got hurt, so they put him into the limited chamber. Vince loved it. The crowd loved it. And they drove it out perfectly. I was there in North Carolina when Kofi thought he was going to go against Daniel Bryan at a fast lane. And all of a sudden, Kevin Owens comes out of nowhere to steal his thunder. So you felt for Kofi, and then what happened? The New Day went it for their boy, so he gets to go to WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan. And then what happened? 
in, or a sample. Well, we might talk about that in a future show. You get 22, 25 minutes of a great match between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship with a crowd is hot, hot. And Kofi wins. Brought a little speckle of a tear to my eye. Loved it. Kofi Mania, you get it. I have a New Day shirt. It's fine. But let's talk about the other thing that I love in WWE because there's a lot. And, I, you know, here's the thing about wrestling. If we harbor too much on the great old days, we forget about what's in the current on the horizon. But one man who really, really, and booking almost screwed him over. But one thing I've loved in 2019, you guys should know, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. I was, I was enthralled. I was captivated. Everybody loved Bray. He's always been a good talker. He's the son of a former legendary uh, wrestler, Erwin Scheisser, IRS. You know, his brother is Bo Dallas. These are wrestling family. Bray was always good on the mic. He was creative. He was a cult leader. And he's gone for like eight, nine months. And you're like, man, is Bray going to leave? He's going to pull a Dean Ambrose and go up here and double or nothing or an AEW like Moxley did. Instead, he comes back to this whole Mr. Rogers thing. And you're like, oh, my God, he's kind of like a cult leader now. This is great. And then it, you're held up for two months. And then in SummerSlam against Finn Balor, you saw The Fiend. And, boy, he asked me to let him in. And I let him in just like Dracula on the outside. And he, he's going to kind of take my blood because I have loved since, because wrestling, as we talked about, sometimes the soap opera, sometimes the two guys being the crap each other, the two women being the crap each other, but sometimes a little bit of the spooky supernatural. The Undertaker, Kane, King, the Boogeyman. Now we have our new day and age with the Fiend, and I loved every bit of it. He captured the Universal Championship. I don't like the fact that he wrestles with the red lights now going on because that would kind of annoy me. I like the mask. I want that scary aesthetic, and he's been doing good, guys, because. At the Royal Rumble, now we're shifting it to 2020. It's going to be Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. Bray's probably going to drop it in Tampa to Samoa, not Samoa Joe, I'm a plus, I'm too happy there, to uh, Roman Reigns, whose real name is Joe, so that's how it keeps in my mind, completing uh, Roman's feel-good story to reclaim from the title that he had to vacate a year prior or a year and a half prior. That's the plan, I think. I'll be okay with it, but The Fiend is such a spooky supernatural guy that I always feel like there should be interference. But... WWE, loving you on the whole, you know, Kofi Mania and The Fiend. And I'm going to give a little shout-out to New Japan Wrestling because I don't talk about it enough because it's kind of hard. It's in all Japanese. It's not as televised for, you know, the audience in terms of storyline outside of the ring. But they have put on some really good consistent matches, and their G1 Climax tournament was just fantastic. I might climax myself. You had Minoru Suzuki in there. You had Tomohiro Ishii going against John Moxley. Jeff Cobb was involved, so you're getting talent in there. Will Ospreay and Kazuka Okada were putting on a whole show. Naito, Kota Ibushi. It all led to whoever won the G1 Climax wins the briefcase to cash in against their championship match to Wrestle Kingdom, which is New Japan's form of WrestleMania. And you guys, this is where transiting 2020 because over the weekend was Wrestle Kingdom 14, gentlemen. And it was a two-nighter event. It was the first time the stakes were so high with the gold double dash because you had Jay White defending his Intercontinental Championship on one night. Then you had Kazuka Okada, can't say their names, you know, after years of watching Naruto, you think I could, but I can't, defending his title against Kota Ibushi, who won the G1 Climax. And then the next night would be the unification of whoever won Jay White versus Naito, Tetsuya Naito, Kazuka Okada versus um, Kota Ibushi. So, to give you spoilers, Tetsuya Naito won the Intercontinental Belt. Kazuka Okada reclaimed or retained it and then the next night Wrestle Kingdom part two of Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, 
Tetsuya Naito, Mr. Tranquilo, Mr. Destino. He, he did some stuff in Japan, so he created the faction Los Ingobernales de Japón. I butchered that. Oh all my <laughs> Yeah, they're saying I don't say Ingobernales that much, so it's tough. I tried. Be proud of me. I'm going to go run away now move back to Miami for five years. Um, you know, he was able to claim to fame the new, uh, to be the, both the first time Intercontinental and I, you know, IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship, and that's where we're going now in 2020. So 2020, we're looking forward to what? Aside from good wrestling from New Japan, I need some consistency from AEW. I want you to be great because I like wrestling all around. You know, I also look forward to pronouncing Ingubernales very well to see if I've already improved it. And then for WWE, I need some strong booking. I need you to be consistent with whom you book. If you're making Drew McIntyre, the sexy Scotsman as he calls himself, to be a real hop, I need you to do that. I need you to figure out who is the superstar that can actually actually bring down Brock Lesnar because it's Royal Rumble season, boys, and they're already doing some head-scratching stuff because Brock Lesnar is WWE champion. He's the one who beat Kofi Kingston, sadly, but it was the right call, I feel. But now Brock's going to enter into the Royal Rumble as the first entrant? What's the story? What are you trying to tell me? What can we do to accomplish it? And you know what I need? I need payoff. I need payoff for Bobby Lashley versus Rusev. Because this whole blackout, cuckold kind of storyline, it's a soap opera that I love, but I need a good conclusion. That's with Rusev winning a form of a title at WrestleMania with Bobby Lashley involved, getting his U.S. championship, getting an Intercontinental championship, getting something kind of championship, and reunited Lana just like Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth did all those years ago, WrestleMania 4 or 5. I, I want to know, is there like a, like a, like a Wikipedia, like a wrestling-centric one, like where I can like learn like uh, the storylines or basically... We need to do a learn a goof. Um, you you can basically call me, and I probably know, but <laughs> you can typically find it if you just Google whatever is going on. A lot of it, you know, the wikis, you can just wiki the wrestlers, and they'll kind of tell you certain yeah. things or the feuds. YouTube's really the best thing because I won't pay for New Japan World because I'm cheap. For $10 a month, I'm cheap for some reason, even though I'll pay gladly $10 to the WWE Network, but I'll watch some of the New Japan matches on my phone. I'll watch some of the AEW pay-per-view matches on my phone on YouTube. YouTube, my new sponsor of the year, apparently. Because, you know, I like to be invested. Even if it's just like the little mini recaps, even to give you the idea of the stories, because, you know, for like New Japan, it's all subtitles, and then they lost their, um, they're not going to be doing U.S. broadcasts this year, so they're not going to be on Axis, because Axis got bought out by Anthem, who oversees Impact Wrestling, so there's some pettiness involved. And look, Impact Wrestling, I'll give it a little picture frame because we talk about picture frames and all that stuff. They have Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan for the Impact, uh, you know, championship. I'm not too crazy about intergender matches for a championship, not because I'm not progressive. I think, you know, women have business in wrestling. I really think they do. I think they can main event very well. It's just, it, it kills a little bit of illusion when you have fat boy Sammy Callahan at like 6'4", 300-something pounds and poor Tessa Blanchard. And Tessa's probably going to complete it and win the Impact Championship. She's going to be the probably first female on a televised platform to win the highest title out of all the wrestling businesses. But wow. is it good for business? I don't know because is that going to be a draw to make people watch it? You might get the YouTube hits. Maybe you get some people that subscribe to your pay-per-view. But Anthem, their founding company, did buy out licensing rights to access, so maybe they are doing the right thing at the platform. Maybe that's going to be the thing that comes out nowhere. It'll be interesting. Tessa Blanchard's great, guys. Like, she's a fantastic wrestler. Maybe her talents are kind of get a wasted impact, but that's not for me to theorize that stuff for her and her agent and what success that she wants. 
Yep, boys, I think is uh, our time of the cage. 2019, come and go. Okay. That was a good one. All right, so I think uh, we're going to end it on that note. So 2020, uh, we have to do like an actual watch, like sit down and watch one of these episodes with, with Charles on wrestling yeah. actually do it live uh, on, on, on the screen here. But thanks, guys, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. They send out the unit. He it. Number 21 takes it to 33. A confident defense heads out onto the field after stopping this offense on a fourth down attempt the last time they were on the field. And the last thing you want to do is to come out and do nothing again and give them even more confidence. Penalty markers down. They took too much time. Dead ball. Delay of game on the offense. So the delay of game will move them back a few, and I'm pretty sure the coach isn't happy with his quarterback right now. First and 15 now. Ball on the 29. Kentucky brings in their nickel package. Back to pass. Looks, rolling out to the left side. He lets it go deep down the middle. The ball is tipped. The pass was knocked down. This defense is very aggressive, and they swarm to the football. They're always making plays to disrupt the passing game. It's second down, 15 to go. Ball on their own 29. Kentucky brings in the nickel here. He's looking. He rolls out to the left. Across the middle. Oh, he had a shot at the pick. That's what can happen when you run the same play. You need to be aware of that and try to mix things up to keep the defense off balance. Third and 15 coming up. Ball on the 29. Number 16 comes to the line with three wide. Drops back to pass. He rolls left. He's going to air it long. And they couldn't hook up on that one. Three plays, all passes, and not one of them completed on that short series. And that's what you call a quick 